it is life-giving. And so we acknowledge that. We acknowledge that uh, without your word, there is no truth in our lives. There's no position. There's no footing to move forward without your word, without your truth. So we just humble ourselves right now as we dive in to Scripture. And we ask you, Lord, to reveal yourself. I thank you, Lord, for your presence that we've already felt in the place today. We're just so grateful. And we praise you, Lord, and ask you to continue to speak to us now through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I, I like it when I get to preach, and I'll tell you what happened this week. So I, I went in to, to John, I think it was Tuesday, and I, I rushed in, and I was telling him some things, and we've got some repairs going on at the house and that type of thing. And he goes, Gwen, we're not going to talk about this all week. You're preaching on Sunday. I'll take care of everything. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. I just walked out of the room, and in the mornings when I was spending my time with the Lord, he would just kind of walk by and just gave me all the time in the morning, didn't talk to me about the issues. So anyway, it's been a really great week. Well, get your word ready. Maybe you have your digital device. If you're going to use your digital device, I recommend that you put it on airplane mode and use your app so that you're not distracted. Do, do you know it's important that we give attention to the word? Sometimes we, we think we're giving attention to the word, but there's no attention given to the word unless there is new action. If there is not a, a, a decision on our part. And usually, you know, here's what is so good about God and his word. When his word comes to us, with that word is the inerrant power to do what he's asked us to do. Isn't that good? Because otherwise, we would see something in his word and we'd be like, I'll never get there. There's no way I can do this. Well, he's not frustrating. He's a good God. And if he asks us to do something. It'll be for our good. There's freedom in it. There's goodness in it. And that's the starting point for us today. So I want to begin today by uh, telling you the, the title of, of our study today is Sustained in Trouble. Maybe you're coming out of a troubled situation. You might be right in the middle of a troubled situation, or maybe there's something on your horizon that you know you cannot handle by yourself. I'm so glad you're here today. We're going to see what God's Word to, says about trouble. You be shocked to do a word study and find out how much is in the Bible about trouble, about coming out of trouble, about staying out of trouble. Anybody? I'd rather stay out of it than to get in it. And then he's so good. You know, maybe you're here today and you think, Gwen, you can't help me because I got myself in this situation. Well, that's usually the way it is. But we serve a God of mercy, a God that says, come on over here. Come over here. Here's the way out. Are you ready? Let's get into God's word. There's going to be so much today. I guarantee you, you're going to want down, going to jot, you're going to want to jot down a passage or two to do a little more study on your own. So get ready to uh, dive into God's word and use it as, as a position point for the week ahead and go back and look over some of these things. Let's start with Romans 8:28. As we're talking about being sustained and in trouble, coming out of trouble, we want to look at at what God's word says. You know, sometimes even we as Christians think we know. Or maybe, you, you know, let me just say this. Everybody that says they're Christian, isn't a Christian. <laughs> they can say they're Christ followers, but they're not Christ followers if they're not following what's in the written word. So you might think, well, look at, what, look at that person or that person, and they're Christians. Well, 
We don't judge that. Only God sees their heart. Just because they say they're Christ followers does not mean they are. Just because someone says, well, the Bible says, you and I as believers need to be able to go back over here, crack the word, and we've got to decide, does that say that in God's word or not? So just because people say they're Christian, just because Christians have all this, or people in a church setting like this, have Christianese does not mean that they are Christ followers. Now, we're not judging other people in their eternal salvation. That's God's business. But we do, we judge ourselves. And then we can judge fruit. The Bible says you'll know them by their fruits. If they're, if they're Christ followers, they're following the written word to the best of their knowledge. Right? So we can't say, you know, well, so-and-so, he says he's a Christ follower and he's having an affair on his wife. I don't care if he says it 10 times a day, he's not a Christ follower. Well, you know what? This, this person or that person, my boss says he's a Christian and I know he's stealing from the company. He's not a Christ follower. Now, I, you know, we can determine how we handle that. Maybe sometimes we need to walk out of the room. Maybe sometimes we need to confront. We have to be led by the Spirit in these things. But um, we want to see what Romans 8.28 says because we've used this scripture. You've heard it if you've been in church any length of time. Romans 8.28 says, We know all things work together for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I love this promise. Do you know, in the promises that we're going to look at today in scripture, hear me, there is a Godward side. He extends his promises and then there is a manward side. There is what he will do, and then there is what we must do. Otherwise, it is not a promise. You know, we took communion a little earlier today, and communion signifies our covenant with God that says Jesus is the Lord of my life. Well, if Jesus is Lord of your life, you don't do what you want to do. If Jesus is the Lord of my life, I don't make choices willy-nilly and saying, well, you know, God loves me and I can do. We don't put the God loves me card on things and go, I, I get to now do what I want. The fact is, only those who are obedient to God and his word receive his blessings. Again, it doesn't matter if people say, well, I'm a Christian. Everything hasn't worked out for me. Well, let's look at that. We know that all, and the Bible doesn't exaggerate. It either says all or it doesn't say all. What's all in the Greek mean? All. I don't know that, but <laughs> I'm sure it does. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love him. Let me remind you, Jesus said, those who love me keep my commandments. Well, you can't keep his commandments if you don't know what they are. Did you read your Bible this week? Are you in the word of God for yourself. We know all things work together for the good of those who love him. He's the Lord of their life. They're not just doing everything, anything they want to do and stamping the Christian button on it and saying, well, it, it, should be, it should all work out. It is not working out for everybody everywhere. So all things work together for the good of those who love him, who keep his commandments who are following his way. We could go down and we could, we could take that in the financial area. If you're not following God in biblical principles of tithing, giving to the poor, those types of things, if we're not following God in that, and then we're like, what's happening with my finances? That could be an issue. Those who love him. His commandments to walk in love with those around us. If relationships are falling apart, are we walking in the love of God? 
And the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. It's either true or it's not. And then what does that require us to come back and look at ourselves? Ah, we don't judge others, but we do need to judge ourselves. So it worked, all things work together for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Do you love God today? Don't say it out loud. We're going to have all this internal dialogue and judge ourselves and work, get ourselves in a position. I offer to you today that repentance has been so uh, downplayed. People don't want to hear repentance. Let me tell you, what you and I want to do when we find out we're wrong in an area is run to Jesus. It's the best place. His repentance brings an embrace. What's repentance? Feeling bad? Feeling rotten? No, no, that's powerless. There is no power in feeling rotten, crying, feeling sad. It's all about moving forward and doing what he says do. Make some changes. Would you say repentance? Would you you say repentance? Repentance. Turning from what I think and agreeing with what God's word says and doing things his way. Repentance. For those who have been called or who are walking, who are hearing, you're not called if you're not listening. Called according to his purpose, the purpose we see in the word. So let's move a little uh, further today. Let's talk about trouble. What is trouble? First of all, you've got to identify it. Trouble is, um, oftentimes a, a point that it can bring questions in our life. It can, it can cause doubt, frustration. Um, what is trouble? I'd like you to identify trouble in your life today. It could be in the area of finances. You know, trouble affects us on a lot of different levels. If there's political unrest, it can affect a community, you know? It, that atmosphere can affect. If there's um, trouble in the world, natural disasters, our heartaches, as we look at these images on television. So it can be natural disaster. It can be health problems, work stress, conflict with people at work or people in our church. It can be those types of conflict. It can be um, emotional instability. So there's all kinds of things that we could term as trouble. And so I want you to identify it first in your life. Sometimes we as Christians minimize it. I heard about a lady that came, came forward for prayer, and the pastor said, what could I, I pray with you about? And she said, I've got so much stress in my life. I'm overwhelmed by burdens, and I just need the Lord to carry about half of them. I think I can carry the other half. You know what he said? I can't pray with you over that because that's not what the Bible says. There's no scriptural footing for cast your half your cares on the Lord and you take the other half and navigate. No, it's cast your care on the Lord. You do have to do the, that. That sounds like a little effort. Cast. I'm casting my care. Well, there may, that takes some energy. If you've got trouble, real trouble, a lot of times that can take some energy. And it, can, it might require us revisiting that several times throughout the day of casting, casting that. No, Lord, I'm going to give that to you, casting our care on him. Now, another thing I want to do before we begin to identify sources of trouble. You know, sometimes even as Christians, we, we might be looking for the answers in our life, which we should, and oftentimes we can get very hurt when trouble comes our way. I want to empower you today not to look at trouble like you've looked at in the past. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Satan is the God of this world. Now, he doesn't have to be your God. Jesus can be Lord over my life, but we live in a world where Satan's the God. 
He's the God of this world, and there's lots of confusion out there. The only way to bring clarity is to go back to what he says. You see, God established some things in Genesis. He established some things when he created this world. And for us to go against that is never going to bring peace. Never. God created Adam and Eve, a male and a female. He, he put them in the garden. He didn't put two females in the garden or two males in the garden. It is male and it is female. Without following his way on that, and we can go all day long, but, you know, what about this? Is it love, love? Love is only based on truth or it's not love. So the thing is, we've got to go back to what God established in the Garden of Eden. How did he create things to be? How did he create things to be? He created a family, Adam and Eve, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. That means if you're not fruitful in your life, maybe we're not doing things God's way. We can't just say, well, this all feels good. Lots of crazy things feel good. We could get high today, and wouldn't that be nuts? And we could say, boy, that felt good. Yeah, but it's going to lead to trouble. Your neurons are being fried. It, I don't, you know, we, you see what I'm saying? We can't just go down a path and say, well, I'm believing God's going to bless me. He's good and he's loving, isn't he? He is, but we have got to do things his way. We have got to follow his plan. There's all these gender things going on in our world today. You know, where people are changing gender. They get to choose. If they do not do things God's way, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to know the truth. Say truth. The truth sets you And outside that truth, there will be bondage. As much as I love someone, as much as I want the best for them, hear me, if they are not following God's way, there is bondage. And you and I as believers have to know that. And so as we look into God's word, this is not a blanket statement for everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, there are people that are following God's plan and people that are not. And the only way that we can receive his blessing is to do things his way. Oh, is that good news for you and me? Yes, because I can't live long enough to figure out things on my own. I can't. I don't want to live life by trial and error or confused. I'm telling you, the world is a hotbed of confusion. Don't look out there for your answers. Well, the boss says, or they say, or this group of people says, we're going to go back to God's word and how he established things. Listen. That's what this church is established on. If it doesn't say it in God's word, then it's something to be tested and tried. No, we're not going to go with that. If it's in God's word, then that's what we're going to live by. Live by his word. So let's look here. What is the source of trouble? I want to identify three things, and you may think of others. Number one being, there's a curse operating in the world. Now, in Galatians, if we go to Galatians 3, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing could come upon us. So Christ redeemed us, but for those that are not in Christ Jesus, who have not repented, turned from their sins and doing things his way, the curse is operating in their lives. Even a Christian can open the door for a curse. We did a series on this back, I think, in the month of June where we talked about the blessing and the curse, curse that, again, ancient text from the book of Genesis, where we follow God's plan for man. And anytime man gets out of that plan, all kinds of craziness occurs. And when we stay in his plan, or you can be in a crazy, mixed-up situation, 
and still be protected. That's what we're going to look at today. Are you ready? That's what we're going to look at is how to stay protected. So we live in a cursed world. Why is this happening? Why did this happen to me? The curse is operating the earth today. Go to Deuteronomy 14, and you'll find all the details to that curse. Cursing in your finances, cursing in health, and all that. It's automatic. Did you know God's plan in your life is not automatic? We need to know that. God's plan is not automatic. We have to determine to line up with his principles in order to receive God's best. Did you know we live in a toxic world? I, I think if we had a scientist here today, they could prove to us um, with their, their knowledge that if we just touch the surface of any of these hard surfaces around us, there's enough germs in this little square inch right here without a proper immune system, enough toxicity to kill you. The earth is toxic. And so when things happen in our life, when trouble comes our way, we need to recognize there's a curse in the world. It can keep us from getting offended. Well, I'm a Christian. Yes, but we have to enforce the Word of God in our lives in order to get what it, it promises us. We have to live by that Word. So there's a curse operating in the world. You know, if we go into the New Testament in Ephesians, it talks about the armor of God, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, all these things, indicating that we've got to have a level of protection in the world we live in. There's going to be a bit of a fight. Are you up for it? Secondly, another source of trouble can be others' decisions. Not only that the curse is operating in the world, but others' decisions. You see, God made us for relationships. That's what we see in the Garden of Eden as well. God created Adam and Eve, male and female, blessed them, um, gave them a job to do, gave them purpose. And in that, with that blessing, we see that there's, there's covering and protection. But we were created for relationship. You might look at people and you go, why are they doing that in relationship, right? Why does she keep going back to an abusive husband? Or we might see things and, and we wonder why people do things relationally. Relationships can be twisted sometimes especially if we're not doing them God's way. And so re relationally, it can be discombobulated. God created us for relationship. It can be very painful in life when trouble comes our way based on their decision. You've been there? Based on their decision, based on maybe you've got a parent and you're thinking, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be dealing with this if it weren't for them. Let's identify it. Let's identify that so that we can move on and get some answers. Decisions of others can cause pain and trouble. The third thing that can cause, what, what did we say so far? We live in a cursed world. Satan's the god of this world, so there's trouble. Secondly, decisions of others can cause us pain that we didn't ask for. The other thing is us. I know that's hard. I know it's difficult. I have to admit, much of the trouble in my life has been self-inflicted. Maybe I was in disobedience and didn't really realize it, or I was walking around with blinders on in some area. Um, I'm getting better about that, I hope, as my life goes forward. And it should be that way. As we follow God years and years in our life, there, there's less. Hear me, those of you that are in your golden years. There should be less and less trouble that uh, causes your heart to just uh, maybe get heart sick right? Because we're doing things God's way. We see things from his perspective. It doesn't mean life is not going to hurt. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. That's only the first part. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So we want to link up with what he says. So Psalm 46.10 
says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. If you're in trouble today, I encourage you, he is your very present help. Now, I, I want to ask you today, when you're thinking about trouble, if you're in trouble, you're coming out of trouble, or you're in a situation and you can see, that's trouble, it's coming my way, and I don't know what I'm going to do about that, I want to encourage you to ask the right question. And here's one that is not the, the, the right question, based on what we just figured out. Why me? Why, me? Why is this happening to me? The reason that's not a good question is because we went back to we live in a cursed world. That's why. There's sickness and disease out there. I'm, I'm connected with people. And if I love them, there's times that I may get disappointed. I know this sound. I'm not trying to oversimplify, but we're not living in the truth of this oftentimes. Why? We get offended. What? I can't believe they did that to me. They're human. <laughs> I can't believe that happened. They're human. Maybe we've put our expectations in the wrong direction. So we can cause our own problems by getting off, by not uh, praying about things and allowing God to lead us. There are a, a, a number of reasons why trouble can come our way. And when it comes, we don't want to say, why me? There are other questions we're going to encounter in a minute, but let's, don't, let's throw out the why. Can you eliminate the why? In this next season of your life, when you face trouble, eliminate the why. That is going to lead you. It feels good sometimes because it's mental gymnastics. It's the old Rubik's Cube. Some of you are wired to fix problems. It's the way you're wired. But that question is going to lead you nowhere. Why me? You live in a cursed world. People make rotten decisions. It could be me. You know, it could be us. We've got to look at ourselves. So why me is not a good question. Um, and I want to tell you a couple of things about that. First of all, it puts us in a position not to repent. Repentance is such a gift because it's that quick. Lord, I'm sorry I messed up in that. And then we're right back in his graces. See, you and I have a wrong concept, maybe because of the way we were raised. Maybe you've been in relationship with someone that when you were wrong, you paid. You paid dearly. You paid for days. You paid for a few hours. They made you pay. Listen. That isn't the Jesus we serve. That is, not the, that is not the Jesus you serve. When you repent, he says, come on, honey, I know. But Lord, look what I, I know, honey. Come on over here. It's all right. C come here. I want to give you the answer. He wants to power you to move forward. Not why me. No more why. It causes us not to repent. It keeps us from a thankful heart. The longer you go into the why me, you are not going to feel thankful. Lord, why did this happen to me? Why did my boss fire me? There is no thanksgiving in that. How about this? Lord, you provided this job and you'll provide me with another. I thank you. I thank you, Lord. You try that when things are tough in your life. That's not easy. That's not easy. How have you been doing on that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you kept me. I am not smart enough to be where I am today with sanity without your help. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I will not judge my boss. I bless him. You see, it can, it can hinder you from those types of forward movements. If we're like, Why me? Why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. That's not 
fruitful. It's not productive. It causes blinders. It causes us when we're saying, why this? Why me? Why now? It hinders us drawing near to God in a position to say, Lord, show me what to do next. And isn't that the best thing, really? It's not about where we are in trouble. Trouble's going to come. We covered that early on, right? Trouble's coming. But it's how to get out. And the whole, why me? Why them? Maybe you've done that before. Why them, Lord? They're such good people. Scripture tells us not to judge. And so it's not for us to look at situations and go, why them? Let's intercede and pray for them. Who cares why them? What if the answer's not something you want to hear? And God's usually not going to tell you about their stuff. He's too good. He loves them. He's not going to tell you about all that stuff. But he will say, you pray the love of God on them. You pray for their finances. You spot them a 20. See, sometimes we, we don't want to go straight to the answer because God wants to use us to be part of the answer. Lord, bless our community. Make us, give us a world impact. Okay, will you? Will you do what I'm asking you to do? So, see, you, we got to stay out of the why question. It also hinders grace. If we are asking, why me, why this? It hinders grace. The Bible says this. That God gives grace to the humble. To the person that doesn't have all the answers. Why will keep you in a place of searching for some sort of something to hang on to? Did you know you and I don't have to understand everything to walk in great, great power? You can have a whole host of things that you do not understand and walk in great power. You can still navigate the answer and go forward in your life. So, we don't want to ask. Why? You know, Americans can be huge in this area. Doesn't everybody deserve a happy life? Have you ever traveled to a third world country? Because that that's not going to spin over there. Everybody deserves a happy life. Everybody deserves. Now listen, I'm not talking about what, what belongs to us in Christ Jesus, right? I'm talking about the stuff that we hear out in the world. Well, why this trouble? Why that trouble? Everybody deserves a happy life. That's not scripture. That's not the Bible. It's only those that are in Christ Jesus following his ways. And with that, we still have to administer and enforce the promises of God in our lives because the devil is going to steal. Devil, say devil. Did we know there is one? There's a heaven. There's a hell. This isn't heaven. And so there's those situations that are what we're going to see around us, and we've got to be able to assess them. And when trouble comes our way, what do we do? We get the Word of God, and we find out what it says. How have you been doing on that? It's not knowledge. The Bible says that knowledge in and of itself puffs up, makes us proud. It's not just knowledge of the Word. It's acting and following through on that that will bring us and navigate us through trouble. The Bible says, 40, Psalm 46.10, I was waiting to say, did I already say 46.1? I'm going to say it again. 46.1, Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge, ever-present strength in time of trouble. It also says this in another version, God is our refuge. You, you hear that? Roundabout. Protection roundabout. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Always. You ever have a friend and you think, oh, I can't tap into that anymore because I think they're tired of me. Not so with God. He is always ready to help in times of trouble. So what do we do? 
Here's the, the, the final thing we want to talk about today, when trouble comes. Not if, but when trouble comes, what do we do? First of all, before we get into that, I want you, I want you to know this. Living and walking in a daily relationship with God, there's no substitute for that. There's no substitute for that because when we're in trouble, it's kind of like a balloon. If I had a balloon today and I was blowing that balloon up and then it came to capacity and with a couple of more puffs it was going to pop, what's in that balloon under pressure is going to come out. We'd be shocked if sand came blowing out of there. Not, it's not going to happen. Only what has been put in is going to come out. So when trouble comes by its very design, causing you to question, causing you to doubt, causing you to have fear, what you've been putting in your life all along is going to come out. Are you spending time in God's Word? Are you making church attendance a top priority in your life? Because when trouble comes, what you've been doing, get your footing because now it's time. it's time to show. It's time to show what we're made of. It's time to show what God has placed in you. We're going to look in a minute, and you'll see in Scripture where when when trouble comes, God not only wants to deliver you, He wants to honor you. He wants to honor you in that situation. He wants things to look completely different than they looked on the front end when trouble did strike. So what do we do in trouble? Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't go into all, all of a sudden this automatic go in and trying to fix it. I've got to fix this. I've got to, a, lot, a lot of times the best thing you can do is if you're at work, uh, just going to throw something out, go to the bathroom. Find a place by yourself. Do not panic. Don't react when trouble comes. That's not possible just for anybody out there. Do, do we know that? These are things that are available because we follow God. Because we follow a God of peace. It should look different for you than your coworker who does not know God. And trouble comes. They, they might fall apart. Don't join in. You're there to bring peace. They might, have, they might not be able to handle situations and circumstances. But you and I are created from the very DNA of God. We've been reborn in Christ Jesus and we react differently when trouble comes. So don't panic. The second thing we want to do is we want to double down with God. If you've been spending 15, 20 minutes with God in the, in the morning before you start your day, you know, it's just an amazing way to start your day. Double up. Double up. Don't we do that in the health field? Whenever we've got situations and we're being attacked by sickness and disease, we go to the doctor and he says, I want to not only give you this maybe diet to follow, but I'm giving you antibiotics. We're going to get you back to a healthy spot. Well, in the same situation, we don't apply that spiritually. Sometimes we just kind of, I don't even feel like spending my time in the Word. You dare not. You dare not. I dare not. Let that never be an option for us ever again. Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe you did it on Saturday. No, No more. The more we have trouble, the more we cannot let go of our time with the Lord. Yeah, but Gwen, I don't feel anything. So? I don't feel like eating veggies half the time. I want pizza. John was sweet on Monday night. We were... He, I was I kind of had a long day getting back to work and a little bit of jet lag. And he goes, don't even worry about dinner. We'll do pizza. I knew the next morning I wasn't going to feel like getting up as bright and early because of those carbs. But I was like, yeah, comfort food. So when we're talking about a position of strength, 
you and I want to be in a place. Trouble's coming. Spend your time with the Lord. Dedicate and set yourself apart for him. It might be, I'm not asking you to pray four hours. Hear me, because the devil does this all, all this traffic. You could never do what she's saying because you only spend 10 minutes in the Word in the morning. So, spend 15. I'm not saying, you know, don't, don't let him overwhelm you today. Double up. Double up on your time with the Lord when trouble strikes. Find your strength. Find your strength. When trouble comes, don't panic. When trouble comes, find your strength. You are made to overcome. It's who you are by being in Christ Jesus. Find your strength. That that doesn't come for me without either having a time of worship, just letting music based on Scripture fill my life, or just taking a promise and saying it out loud over myself, over my situation. How will you respond when trouble strikes? I gave you several options there. He had, always has an answer, always wants to navigate with you. Let's, let's end with Psalm 91. Would you go there with me? Let's go to Psalm 91 in Scripture, and um, we're going to tear apart a couple of things here in closing. The Bible says this. This is one passage. You could just call it the trouble chapter. Written by David, who knew trouble. In fact, one place in uh, Psalms, he says, though an army come against me. Now, I've had trouble, but I've never had an army come against me as a single, you know, just me as an individual. But David said, though an army comes against me, yet in him will I be confident. So that's the same guy that's writing this, a king, a military leader that's used to attack, that's used to, he dealt with some stuff in his life. So let's look at Psalm 91 and see what we see there. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain. Oops, I'm on the wrong version. I'm going to come back to that one. Let me get where you are. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Did you see that? Those who, what's that say? It's kind of small. Sorry, I should have made that bigger. Those who live, not visit, not visit on Sunday. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. We have to qualify to be under His protection. Are we living in His ways? Are we living in a way to hear, God, show me, God, tell me. If it's wrong, even if I don't like it, I'll go the other direction. I'll do what you say do, not what I want to do. Those who live, and you know what happens there? I can't leave that there. When we do what He says do, even when it's difficult, it'll end in happy. It might not be happy on the front end, but it'll result in the happy dance. So, it says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High find rest. Verse 2, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. That that sounds of protection, doesn't it? He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. I want to go back to uh, those couple of verses, those first, uh, let's do two. I will say of the Lord, it says in the Amplified Version, again, we're talking about what to do in trouble. Say what next? What to do in trouble. We dwell in his secret place, and it says this, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. What do you do in trouble? 
you say, Lord, you're my refuge. Not why me? Lord, what in the world? I never thought this would happen. Me? Bankrupt? When trouble comes, we say, you are my refuge and my fortress. Lord, I just can't believe. And, you know, they said this, and I thought they were going to do that. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. I trust in Him. Not in them. I'm not asking you to trust in them. I trust in you. He's my refuge, my fortress. In the Amplified Bible, it says this. Once I say, it says, for then, not, not until then. See, that's sometimes where we're missing it. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. For then, this is what the original Hebrew goes back to in that's this 91st Psalm. The original Hebrew, it's, there's contingency here. I'll say he's my refuge and fortress, then he will deliver me. If we're not saying he's our refuge and our fortress, if we're not saying, Lord, I trust you, Lord, I believe your promises, then we may not get his covering. It's the way things operate. Let me, you know, I've I've used this analogy before. It might have been John that used it. I don't know. Um, But anyway, when you go into the bank, they ask you for ID, don't they? To access your account, you got to have that. Now, you could come in there screaming, yelling, I need my money. I've got to pay my bills. Where's your license, ma'am? I don't have it. You got your debit card? No, but I need my money. They're not giving you your money. There's, there's a passageway into the things of God. It is his word. For us to say we're following him and his plan, we must use his word, use his word in our lives. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God in him will I trust, for then he will deliver me. I'm going to go just a little further. You're going to have to read the rest on your own because we're running closely to be out of time right now. So God's part is he will protect us. What's our part? Trusting him, declaring his goodness. You know, that can be done with tears going down your face. You don't have to feel all this victory. You can, you can have heart sickness heartache. Say, Lord, I trust you in the midst of tears, and it'll still work, regardless of how you feel, regardless of how you feel, regardless of how things look, it'll work anyway. Then he'll deliver you. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings he will take, you will take refuge. I want to go to the end of this. Will you go down to the um, verse 14? Read there with me. Verse 14 says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. Have we not come full circle? That's what we started with in this message today. Those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Here we see it. It says, the Lord says, he's saying this over you. Listen, he's saying, I will rescue those who love me. What's that mean? You can't separate love of God from obedience to his ways and his commands. I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, is that you? What are you going to say when trouble comes? He is my refuge. I trust you, Lord. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. But that's not all. I'm so glad that the verse didn't stop there. I'm so glad the passage didn't stop there. I want him with me, but I want out. Anybody? I want him with me, but I do want to come out. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. 
God has a plan for you in trouble. He wants to bring you out. He wants the next situation, circumstance that you face for you to be stronger than you've ever been based on your love for him, based on the fact that you're rooted and you're following him. Then when people look at you, it brings God great glory. In this verse right here, or in this passage, it says, though a thousand fall on one side, what a plague that might kill thousands does not have to harm you at all. If you're doing things God's way, a thousand may fall on one side, 10,000 on another side. That's 11,000, isn't it? What would trip up 11,000 people should not trip you and I up if we're following God in his ways. Do you know in the day we live in with chemical warfare and all the things around us, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What do you say? I trust him. He's my refuge. He's my fortress. I trust in him. He's my God. It's not enough just to know that the pastor follows the Lord. Anybody? It's not enough just to know, oh, well, my mother, yeah, she followed the Lord. No, you have to be able to say, my God, in him I trust. That's where you and I are. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. I want to end this morning with this. If you're in a, a situation right now and you're encountering trouble, I want you to stand to your feet. You're in trouble right now, stand to your feet. Maybe you're not in trouble, but you see it. Boy, it's coming. If something doesn't turn around, there's, good, there's a real situation on your horizon. Stand up where you are. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit right now. I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit. He's going to talk to you personally. What he says to the person over here about their finances might not be the same thing he says over here to someone with health issues. So I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to ask him to give you wisdom. Lord, show me that next step. What's that look like? Can you just stand there right where you are and begin to dialogue with the Lord? Lord, show me what to do next. Don't Remember, we're not going to do the why thing. That's not where we're going. Lord, show me what, what to do next. Show me how to respond. Show me what to say. Show me. Have you ever done this? Show me how to pray, Lord. Sometimes we just dart in and start praying our own stuff. Show me how to pray, Lord. Show me what to do. Across the room today, I want you to receive what God speaks to your heart in the next few minutes. Listen. You might be thinking, he never talks to me. No, no, listen. The Bible says this, my sheep know my voice. That means he's speaking. He will speak to you. He will speak to you. He'll show you what to do. He'll show you what to do in the next day, the next week, when that situation, uh, when it, it comes up again. Father, I just pray over everyone standing right now. I stand with them in the name of Jesus. And I break every power of the enemy of your life in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that thing. I break the, the authority that it's ruled over you in the name of Jesus. I bind that thing. I bind it. If, that's, if you're here today, just raise your hand and receive that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We submit ourselves to God. I break the power of that disobedient spirit. I break the, but the power of that rebellion in, in the life of that person. I break the power of those obstacles in the name of Jesus. I declare truth and light. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank you that your word tells us we can be still and we can know we serve a God that is able to deliver us out of every trouble. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, Lord.